I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig with details. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Hey, history enthusiasts. You get not one, but two events in history today. On with the show. Hi, I'm Eves, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that uncovers a little bit more about history every day. The day was April 16, 1755. Elizabeth Louise Viget was born in Paris to Louis Viget and Jean Misson. From the time she was a young girl, Elizabeth took an interest in art. And by the time she was 15, she was making enough money from her art to support her family. Elizabeth's mother was a hairdresser, which meant she had some contact with aristocrats. Elizabeth's father was a pastel portraitist, and he trained her as an artist when she returned home from a convent she attended as a young girl. His artistry also gave the family access to the larger art world, and she was taught by other popular artists. In her memoirs, Elizabeth recounted how much art consumed her as a child, saying, I scrawled on everything at all seasons, my copybooks, and even those of my schoolmates had their margins crammed with tiny drawings of heads and profiles. But Elizabeth's father died when she was only 12 years old, and her passion for art waned for a little while. Within a year, her mother had married a jeweler, whom Elizabeth and her brother Etienne despised. 
Elizabeth's interest in art quickly returned, though, as painter Gabrielle Francois Doya, an old family friend, encouraged her to keep making art. And she went to museums and galleries with her mom, studying the masterpieces of renowned artists. She often visited the Louvre and copied artworks of artists like Van Dyck and Rembrandt. Her painting style was not quite Rococo, but not completely neoclassicist either. As her skill grew, so did the number of people who wanted her to paint their portraits, and her commissions provided the financially strained family with much-needed money. At age 19, she became a member of the Painters Guild of the Académie de Saint-Luc. By 1776, Elizabeth had married Jean-Baptiste Pierre Lebrun, an art dealer and artist. The marriage gave her even more access to art collections and the top tiers of French society. Though the marriage was good for her professional life, Jean-Baptiste Pierre wasn't a great husband, as he was prone to gambling off Elizabeth's money, among other misdeeds. The couple had a daughter named Jean-Julie Louise, whom Elizabeth loved. When Elizabeth was 23, Empress Maria Theresa of Austria commissioned Elizabeth to paint a portrait of her daughter, none other than Queen Marie Antoinette. Elizabeth was known for her ability to make her clients comfortable, and soon she and the queen became friends. Over a decade, she painted 30 portraits of Marie Antoinette. Thanks to her increasing popularity and relationship with the Queen, Elizabeth was soon accepted as a member of the Royal Academy of Painting and Sculpture. When she was admitted at the age of 28 in 1783, she was one of just four women in the Academy. Elizabeth was hosting social gatherings at her home, and she was painting so much it was literally making her sick. But even though her notoriety as an artist was growing, the French Revolution forced her to flee France in 1789. She moved with her daughter to Italy with little money to her name, then several other places in Europe, during which time she continued to paint portraits and landscapes. She had prestigious clients wherever she went, as her reputation preceded her. Elizabeth and her husband divorced in 1793, and she ended up settling in Russia for six years. While in Russia, her mother died, and her daughter married a man whom she wasn't particularly fond of. She went back to Paris after the revolution, but she wasn't really feeling the city's new vibe. But after a stint in London, Elizabeth ended up back in France, where she lived for the rest of her life. Sadly, her ex-husband, daughter, and brother died in her later years. But she never stopped making art. Throughout her lifetime, Elizabeth is estimated to have made more than 600 paintings. She was elected to art academies in 10 cities and found success in the arts despite being a largely self-taught woman. In 1835, she published the first volume of her memoirs. Elizabeth died in March of 1842. Though the first major international retrospective of her art wasn't held until more than 70 years after her death, Elizabeth is now known for her naturalistic and relaxed art style, sympathy with her sitters, and technical skill. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you'd like to learn more about Elizabeth, listen to the episode of Stuff You Missed in History Class called Elizabeth Louise Viget Levant. 
If you're so inclined, you can follow us at T-D-I-H-C Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Come back tomorrow for another tidbit from history. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. Hello from the History Closet, everyone. I'm Eves, and welcome to another episode of This Day in History Class. Like so many of you, I am at home, but I am doing well, and I hope you're doing well, too. And as always, the show goes on. The day was April 16, 1853. The Great Indian Peninsula Railway opened the first commercial passenger train service in India. This service was not the first railway that operated in the country. The Red Hill Railroad, built in Madras in the mid-1830s, was the first railway in India. It was built for the carriage of minerals, and it was in operation by 1837. In May of 1845, the Madras Railway Company was established. In that same year, the East India Railway Company was also formed, but these railways were built to transport materials, not passengers. Throughout the beginning of the 1840s, British people promoted the idea of constructing railway lines in India. Roland McDonald Stevenson supported the creation of a line from Calcutta towards Delhi and Varanasi, and he published a text called Report Upon the Practicability and Advantages of the Introduction of Railways into British India. 
British civil engineer Charles Blacker Vignol submitted a report to the East India Company on the potential of constructing a railway network in India. The proposal had colonial designs, with an aim of facilitating trade and managing the country. In 1843, Governor General Lord Harding claimed that the railways would be beneficial to the, quote, commerce, government, and military control of the country. And Lord Dalhousie, who was the Governor General of India starting in 1848, advocated entrusting railway construction to private companies rather than let the government be in charge of constructing railways. On August 1, 1849, the Great Indian Peninsula Railway, or the GIPR, was incorporated by an act of the British Parliament. A couple of weeks later, the East India Company entered into contracts with the East Indian Railway Company and the GIPR Company for the construction of experimental lines. The East India Company was a monopolistic trading company that eventually became involved in politics and extended Britain's imperial power in India. Per the old guarantee system, free land and a guaranteed 5% rate of return was provided to British companies willing to build railways. On April 16, 1853, the first commercial passenger train in India was inaugurated when the first section of the Great Indian Peninsula Railway opened. The train departed from Bori Bunder Station in present-day Mumbai that afternoon, headed for Tana. It had 14 railway carriages and 400 guests and it was hauled by three locomotives. The trip was about 21 miles or 34 kilometers. The second section of the railway from Tana to Kalyan opened in 1854. That same year, the East Indian Railway Company opened a passenger service that ran from Howrah, which is near Calcutta, to Hooghly. From the 1850s onward, passenger railways in India were expanded. By 1880, around 9,000 miles of railway spanned across India. The railways allowed the British to transport goods and to deploy officials and military resources. Many people who constructed the railways died from the working conditions and diseases that hit camps. The railways were a major part of the colonial project, but the number of Indian passengers also increased over the years. Rail travel also highlighted caste divides in India. In 1900, the Indian government purchased the GIPR, Half a century later, the GIPR combined with other railways to form a zone of Indian railways called Central Railway. India's national rail network is the fourth longest in the world. The history of railways in India is intertwined with the British legacy of colonization, exploitation, and racism in the country. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. And if you have anything you'd like to tell us, you can send us a note on social media at TDIHCpodcast. You can also send us an email at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks again for listening to the show, and we'll see you again tomorrow. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... <laughs> 
Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 